You're listening to Our Tunes. Music appreciation and digital media discourse. So Brad, how you doing? Very good. What you been listening to, Brad? What have I been listening to? Well, I went on vacation down to Texas and Louisiana camping and fishing near the Texas border. Mm -hmm. And so I had gone into my Spotify and I had completely shifted everything that I had downloaded. And it was like mostly country music and classic rock. was definitely enjoying this album by the Flaming Groovies called Shake Some Action. Now that's mm. not classic rock. Mm. For some reason, <laughs> I, I had that in there. So it's, it's an album from uh, like the mid 70s. Okay. Kind of sounds like the Beatles meet television. Uh, sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Love so I, I, I yeah. totally recommend the album. It's really good. Probably, had I known what it sounded like, I probably would not have included it in the uh, the repertoire I was bringing down to Louisiana. But Didn't uh, really match the palette yeah, of the other but, stuff. But it was great for the airplane. The very first track on that album is called Shake Some Action. It's the self-track, you know, it's the album title. It opens up with such a good guitar riff. How about you, Lewis? What have you been listening to? The past week, I've been cycling through some emo jams. I keep up on a lot of new music in the emo world, mostly because that's the kind of music that I play. There's this band um, out of Connecticut called Anxious that makes some pretty hard-hitting, like really energetic, pretty pretty rocking emo. There's a lot of different subgenres of emo that I won't bore you with right now. <laughs> But this one kind of synthesizes all the good parts, right? So there's like lots of driving guitars, guitars that are doing weird things, crazy bending notes, just really in your face. The drumming is like breakneck speed drumming. And there's like melodic vocals and there's shouted vocals. This uh, album is Little Green House by Anxious. Been digging that. Also, shout out to my buddy Evan, who runs a soap company out of Richmond, Virginia, called Urban Cabin Soaps because he just did a collaboration with them uh, for the release of this album where he put out a special edition soap called Little Green Soap. Nice. Um, and yeah, I have it and it smells great. All right. So thanks, Ev. Urban Cabin Soap. <laughs> so this track off of Little Green House is called In April. It goes so freaking hard. Feel my Today, I had a stroke of an idea, which is not an expression. 
Um, <laughs> I had uh, I had an idea today that theme music is very important. I know we talked before about kind of soundtracks a little bit. What I thought we could do today is rattle off your top three theme music. Yes. Tracks. And I must say, this was a very uh, sudden epiphany for Lewis. Because as I walked in the door today, he sprung it on me. And to his reassurance, I said, I have three. <laughs> I mean, that's the great. bag. That's, that's so good. What's your, what's your number three, Brad? Okay, number three is going to be... The theme to the X Files. And I had to look up who the you know artist is, and it's yeah. someone named Mark Snow. And it's my understanding that he did most of the music for the series and the movies. I, in my feverish uh, effort to find out more about that song, I, I have not been able to figure out a track name. So we'll just say X-Files theme. Cool. For all of the ones that I'm going to say, the actual like theme footage is also pretty integral. Like, faces that are like bending and like some spooky shit yeah yeah it's good i would recommend anyone to just youtube opening credits to x files (laughs) awesome my number three is from an hbo show that i'm currently doing a rewatch of that would be the sopranos say that is a badass selection that song is called woke up this morning Mm -hmm. by a group called the alabama three it's just kind of like a brooding weird track but it also has so many like tonal references to the show itself born under a bad sign got depression got all this shit going on yeah it's so gritty it's so catchy and it's that's a long intro yeah is there like synth sounds in that (laughs) yeah All right, what's your number two? Number two is going to be the theme song to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's a song called Temptation Sensation by Heinz Kissling, definitely like a classical piece. Almost feels a little campy. Definitely sounds old, but it sounds more like pop and fun. Whenever I've lived like away from Philadelphia, I just love watching in the opening credits because it just shows, you know, some highlights of the city. Yeah. And it's a nice. You li- feel good about Philadelphia. It's a nice little tour. <laughs> and again, yeah, like given the content of the show, it's a really funny juxtaposition mm-hmm. just to have like that little like, happy go lucky, mm-hmm. you know, violin playing you in. My number two is another HBO show, True Detective Season One, mm. which has a song by the handsome family called Far From Any Road. From the dusty mesa A looming shadow grows Hidden in the brown 
about that song it takes you away really rustic like country vibe and also totally very appropriate because it kind of references like weird dark mysterious stuff like the imagery in that song it's a good one what's your number one what all right the theme song to taxi The song is by uh, uh, an artist named Bob James. It has a title called Angela. He's kind of like a jazz fusion keyboardist. Like he plays a lot like of electric piano. Last summer, I think I watched the first season of Taxi. I just love the opening sequence. In my lifetime, I feel like New York has been more like the New York of now. Manhattan's like yeah. a pretty nice, clean place. But people always like reminisce about like the gritty New York. Like what happened to the gritty New York? The 70s New yeah, York. Yeah, and I, and I feel like Taxi sort of gave me a little bit of a sense for that. My number one, I think, is going to be highly favored by the producer of this show. Okay. And that is the theme song from Cheers. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go wherever. <laughs> because even though I didn't really start watching Cheers until like 2012, like long after it was off the air. Lots of people probably like grew up watching it when they were like children to be on in the background or something like that. That song, Where Everybody Knows Your Name, which is co-written by uh, Gary Portnoy and Judy Hart Angelo. That song is like just so earnestly good. When you hear the piano intro, I feel like I just get a wave of emotion. Our attachment to sitcoms in our culture might be a little bit unhinged, and that's why this makes me feel these feelings. But when I hear the piano intro, it strikes me, and then, like, it's just such a joyous song. It's about friendship and familiarity and comfort. I mean, whenever I've tried to give up drinking and going to the bars, I remember that song, and I just say, (laughs) you know what? I need to go back to where everyone knows my name. Damn right. (laughs) And you're always glad you came. (laughs) Yeah. This is homework. All right, Lewis. Last week, I had assigned you the album Blizzard of Oz by Ozzy Osbourne. So this was Ozzy's first album after departing from Black Sabbath. Came out in uh, 1980, and um, maybe after you uh, after you share your thoughts, I could maybe contextualize uh, this album's importance in my life. So what'd you think? It rocks. That's my first thought. I haven't listened to a lot of like kind of metal of this era. So this is definitely a first for me of listening to an album like this. And even though like I listened to a lot of like Led Zeppelin and things that are obviously big influences on this genre, 
I have not heard a seminal metal album like this. And it hit, it checked all the boxes, right? There's a huge opener with driving, galloping guitars. Second track is probably their most well, Ozzy's most well-known song, Far and Away, Crazy Train. Just an incredible song. I mean, at this point, it's been played into the ground, Mm -hmm. but it's been that way for a reason, right? It it has merits. It just rocks so hard. Anyone who hears that, like, guitar riff is going to be like, I know this. They may not know it's Ozzy Osbourne. They may not know it's Crazy Train. Well, until the lyrics start. Yeah. But I'm like, everyone's heard that. Absolutely. It's, It's got this weird, like, universal place in our culture, I think. And it's been sampled in like a few um, like rap songs, I think, too. I was a young person who had heard this song before, right? This was a song everybody's heard, like we were saying. But when I was 15, my parents bought me a bass guitar, and I would go and look up Tab, right? Tabs on the internet, and I learned how to play some songs. And this was probably in the first, within the first 10 songs I learned how to play on an instrument, was the opening riff of this. And because of that, I was tempted to go and look up uh, the website Ultimate Guitar Tab, which you may have spent some time on. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy archive and definitely skewed more towards rock music, obviously. The all-time tab count for most searched guitar tabs, this is the 25th song on the list. (laughs) It has 15 million hits. Wow. I'm actually like thought it might be a little higher yeah i would too at stairway to heaven is first which is you know it's a thing on spotify it has 420 million plays (laughs) and spotify's not been around for that long right it's like maybe barely 10 or 15 years old the daily number of hits for crazy train on ultimate guitar tab when i looked it up today was 666. (laughs) Hail Satan. It it signifies why it's so important we were to discuss this today. I still listen to it kind of with fresh ears as part of this whole album. Um, And I did a fun thing, which was I tried to count the number of, like, pick slides (laughs) that Randy Rhodes does in this song. I lost track. I lost track. I was going to be like, I'll do this for every song in the album. And then there's just too many. (laughs) Extremely distorted guitar nickel wound strings with a pick sliding down them makes a beautiful noise i was looking at uh his wikipedia page they were trying to describe like his style tremolo bar dive bombs wow dive bomb is a guitar technique in which the tremolo bar or whammy bar is used to rapidly lower the pitch of a note creating a sound considered to be similar to a bomb dropping I mean, that's definitely, yeah, that's a cool trick. It's wow. separate, probably separate Not, from yeah, a big slide, yeah, okay. but still employed with a lot of frequency on this album. Yeah, as, <laughs> as like a keys and bass person, I've never really got to experiment with the dive bombs, the pick slides, or the tapping techniques of Randy Rhodes or other great guitarists. But I've tried dabbling in a few of these. I'm really not cut out for them. Like, I have a, a Bigsby, like, built-in tremolo bar on my guitar, and I just can't. I just haven't learned any fluency with it. You know, maybe I'll just crank up the distortion later and do a dive bomb or two. Who knows? Yeah, let's do it. I think Randy would approve. Okay. From his grave. R.I.P. Randy. But, you know, going on through the album, kind of came at it from a 
a Zeppelin influence angle in a lot of ways because I was like, well, there's all this like this kind of pagan imagery throughout this album juxtaposed song structures where you have like kind of an acoustic guitar like an interlude like the song d it's like short acoustic interlude i can let you know what my my favorites are my takeaway favorites i mean cliche or not crazy train is up there man crazy train just rocks it's undeniable i played it i played that riff a few times this week just just to do it <laughs> i'll be honest if it's on the radio i'll probably just turn it because i'm just like i can't do it anymore <laughs> but when i when i actually sit and listen to that song all the way through I'm amazed at how relatively short the solo is yeah. and how much is packed in there. So I counted. At first, I was like, is this like eight bars? So it's 16 bars. Mm-hmm. In the grand scheme of a song, that is like so short. It makes me wonder, like, how planned out was that? Was every single note like really meticulously crafted? Possibly. Because I just I, I can't imagine how it could get any better in 16 bars. Really loved Mr. Crowley. Yes. The guitar chops in that song are incredible. It's a journey. I also found it interesting, right, all these kind of maybe the satanic imagery or vibe of the album. And on the cover, you have Ozzy, you know, wielding a cross in some like crazy, dusty, smoky attic, some ram horn like skull on the ground behind him. And I'm pretty sure, isn't he crawling on the ground? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah he's crawling like on the ground. cape, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a robe, though. Yeah. And to this day, I looked at photos of him and he wears a big cross. It confuses the shit out of me, but it's cool. He can do what he does. I gotta say, uh, Revelation might have been my actual favorite track. a little later on the album it had a lot of similarities i think to the kind of cabaret style rock that we visited with meatloaf a little bit Mm -hmm. like not not 100 percent because it's definitely it's different song but it definitely builds in a stranger way it's got this multi-instrumentation thing going on it's like it's a more fleshed out rock song and it's kind of ballady the closing is like i think one of the best guitar solos on the album it's just like an incredible shred. I found it to me like really, really memorable. I encountered a frustration while listening to this album, which was, I was listening on Spotify. And the one they have av- available, the copy of the album, is the 40th anniversary edition, just released two years ago. This features a bunch of re recordings of these songs that were originally done for a reissue in like 2002. So I was looking into this. And Ozzy got a bunch of his band members at the time in early 2000s to re-record this, including the bassist from Metallica, Robert Trujillo. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think it sounds really good, but I was like, I really want to listen to the original recording in a lot of ways too. Cause I think that reissue was like, I read about it being a little bit controversial. I did get to visit a YouTube video just to get the feel for how they were doing. So did they have it both? Did they? No. So the re the reissue version that's up there, the expanded edition has a bunch of extra tracks on it, but it doesn't have the original set. You know, I had read that same story. So Bob Daisley was like the uh, the the original bassist that recorded. Yeah. And and has I believe he has credits on all of the tracks except D maybe. I think there was some lawsuits or or things related to royalty royalties. drama, yeah. And at some point someone had the the idea, at least in the Aussie camp, to re-record the drum and bass and put those in and re-release the album. But I thought I had read that they had decided to scrap that. I think the one on Spotify is does have the original bass and drums. Um, I kind of am like, why were you tampering with this? Yeah, it's <laughs> a little weird. Not in like a legal sense, but like, why why would you why would you do that? Yeah, well. Especially like right, the chief chief songwriter on this is Randy Rhodes, right? He was putting together the guitar parts, he was like arranging a lot of stuff, and he died two years later in like crazy plane crash death. Mm-hmm. It was great to get a taste of him. And I watched a live clip from like eighty one of Ozzy playing with them live and like Randy Rhodes is playing out of uh four Marshall stacks, a total of like 16 speakers, mm-hmm. Les Paul just like screaming. I mean, it is pretty crazy. I mean, the guy unfortunately uh, lost his life at the age of 25, and you're just like, wow. He really only recorded a little bit and, you know, was so influential with like uh, metal. You know, I took uh, uh, about a year's worth of like bass lessons, mm-hmm. and at some point, my guitar teacher was talking about tapping because I was just like, what is it? How does it work? You yeah. Know? And he told me he was like the two like big. Now, I, I'm I'm not an expert, but <laughs> this was the summation of my guitar teacher at the time. <laughs> he was like, he was like, yeah, you got Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes. Those are like the two I think that's guys fair. who like invented it. They're like the, the founders, the pioneers. Yeah. I mean, Jimmy did a little bit of tapping, but it wasn't like his main thing. Van yeah. Halen was like the tap king. Yeah. I mean, all I can say is this album rocked my world, and uh, I'm really glad you assigned it. So funny enough, so we talked a lot about Randy Rhodes. Yeah. What did you think of the Ozman? <laughs> he really anchors it, right? He really holds it down. And I think there's songs like um, Goodbye to Romance, right? It's kind of more of a, a slow ballad. His voice is borderline melodic at times, right? It's like, <laughs> I don't know, it's it's a weird, it's, it hits a weird range. I've probably been accultured to an extent to enjoy mm-hmm. this kind of singing. He kind of fits in 
with the band that's around him. Yeah. And it seems like the band always has its own sort of unique, like, sound to it that I'm sure he's involved in, like, crafting and curating. This album and the album that came after this one, Diary of a Madman, mm. I is, like, my favorite Ozzy sound. Black Sabbath, to me, is, like, a really hard-rocking blues-based band. Like, mm. I mean, it's dark. Yeah, his voice kind of helps it embrace a more melodic side, right? Wherever metal went from here on is, like, a different story, but, like, Ozzy definitely cast in bronze all of these metal cliches. Like, I remember the first time I ever heard Black Sabbath, I was, like, probably 13 or 14, riding in a car with my older brother. I think Iron Man came on the radio, and I was, like too young probably to know what a cliche was and i was like this sounds like some really cliche metal and then i realized wow this is actually what formulated (laughs) everything i understand about that yeah Yeah. so brad what does this album mean to you i went to ozfest in 2001 oh oh my god i was in eighth grade i believe maybe it was the summer around after eighth grade Mm -hmm. i went because some some other classmates like was able to get tickets and like you know, I was like, yeah, I'll, yeah, of course, I'm cool. Yeah. Totally. It was Black Sabbath, not Ozzy Solo. Okay. So I feel so fortunate that I got to see Ozzy play with, you know, the whole, the original Black Sabbath band. Wow. The other headliners included Marilyn Manson, Slipknot, Papa Roach, Wow. Disturbed, oh and God. Linkin Park. It's the most 2000s lineup. Yeah. yeah. I think my first for- foray into Ozzy Osbourne was uh, a three-CD box set of Black Sabbath. It was uh, their self-titled Black Sabbath album, Paranoid and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. And it was purchased uh, at a one BJ's Wholesale Club. What if I told you we could go see Black Sabbath and Disturbed (laughs) at OzFest (laughs) in May? Oh my god. I mean, that might be... I I don't know if I'm ready uh, to do that. This is a crossover OzFest not fest. That's K-N-O-T. Like Slipknot? It's like Garlic Knots? Yeah, no, yeah, Slipknot. It's co-sponsored by Slipknot. It's at the nearest portal to the underworld, wherever <laughs> you can find it. What is it about heavy metal that, that does it to you, Brad? When I was a teenager, it was the angst of it all. Like, yeah. this is a very, this album, if you look at the lyrics, it's all very angsty. Yeah. I mean, there's a song called Suicide Solution. Yeah. Crazy Train, I Don't Know, Goodbye to Romance. Like, the yeah. lyrical content, it's it's very angsty. So it Speaks um, to the kids. I would say that's probably what, that and the fact that I probably as a teen was like feeling some peer pressure to associate with certain t-shirt categories at the local Hot Topic, let's say. Cool. Um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, I would have to say that I f- derive most enjoyment from this music from the guitars. In particular, with Mr. Crowley, there's a part towards the end, before the second solo that kind of ends the song, mm. where Randy Rhodes has harmonizing yeah. between the guitars. And, and they're like panned. Yes. Yeah. And... I want to say Judas Priest was probably one of the first bands to do that. I just really like the sound of it. It's a great fucking noise. Um, That's the thing about, I don't know, guitar music in general. Whatever you think about rock music song structure or everything kind of being very repetitive in a way, like the riff is always something that's going to be like immortal and using these like guitar tricks to just create this insane world of sound. Would you say you were introduced to this music by your peers or were 
Was your dad a metal fan at all? When I was in high school, I definitely somehow gravitated towards what bands people were repping on their shirts. Hey, yeah. And for some reason, it's a big identifying I thing wanted to kids. be in the group that was all about metal. Maybe it could have been the what was on the t-shirts. Felt like a misfit at the time. I don't know. Um, Probably some people who rocked, and you just wanted to rock like them. Yeah. The first metal album I got, though, I, I was just trying to think whether it was the Black Sabbath box set from BJ's or I got Ozzy's compilation album called Ozman Cometh, mm. which had some Black Sabbath songs on it. You know, he made a lot of good music outside of those first two albums with Randy Rhodes. A, a massively influential cultural figure, right? Mm-hmm. There would be no metal as we know it without this man, this album, these bands. And there would probably not be the degree of reality TV we have without him and his family. <laughs> well, Lewis, I think uh, you studied up and uh, you have proven yourself learned in the ways of the Blizzard of Oz. Hell yeah. You can't see it, <laughs> but I'm air guitaring. A real treat, Brad. So, Brad, I've selected your assignment. Okay. You mentioned in one of our previous episodes that you thought one of your most played albums was going to be this Jay Dilla record. Mm. And the album I've chosen for you is from the same record label that put out Jay Dilla's work, Stone's Throw Records. This album is called Mad Villainy by the artist Mad Villain, which is a collaboration between MF Doom and producer Mad Lib. All right. Have you heard this record? I have not, but I have heard some MF Doom this album rocks. It came out in 2004. It's different. It's a game changer, I think. All right. Tune in next week to two white guys talking about hip hop. Yep. <laughs> no, I look forward to it. I actually, I, I have, of what I've heard of MF Doom, I've been like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Our Tunes. Our Tunes is hosted by Brad Lanute and Lewis Weil, produced by Robert Hughes. Catch you next time. See ya. I've been trying to learn about weather because I just don't get it. <laughs> like, what is it? <laughs>